Well, moms, we hope you know that uh, we love you a lot. And we are deeply indebted to you. And the sacrifice that you make in caring for us, um, really through, through every phase of life. And by the way, are there a lot of phases? There are a lot of phases of our kids' lives, isn't there? I mean, there's sort of... Now, some of you are early on, and you're like, really? <laughs> you know, how many are there? Plenty. More than we know, probably. Depends on the kid. But, uh, you know, the younger phases have their own challenges. As they get older, of course, the challenges change. Uh, but like, like many moms of two-year-olds, Kayla Sullivan... She just about had it with her son's outbursts in public. And so she decided to take this to TikTok. And the thing is, she had an advantage, too, because she wasn't just any mom. No, she was actually a seasoned television professional. So when she took the video, she kind of went into her reporter mode. And so here she was on, on TikTok, and here's what she said, reporting live from outside my son's bedroom, where he is currently being detained until nap time is over. Now, this story does involve a minor, so I can't release the specifics, but what I can confirm is my son is a two-year-old terrorist who held me hostage at the Olive Garden earlier today. (laughs) And so she kept kind of describing the story a little bit, you know, how the restaurant opened up to her son's, you know, the tantrum at the table there. He wanted a bottle of ketchup. And then she uh, she kind of summarized the situation. She said, unfortunately... As, as, a, as a, a waitress came to, to just give the kids some ketchup. <laughs> Unfortunately, her good deed was later punished after he threw ketchup, a ketchup-covered fork at her. And she's like, not all heroes wear capes, but this one should have worn an apron. <laughs> and so a- after the video kind of goes viral, you know, she's actually being interviewed back on TV, and she's like, look, my kid is not actually a terrorist, obviously, but that's how it feels! It feels that way in public. And she goes, and I wanted to put this out to others just so other moms would know you're not the only one, right? And and that's that's just the thing. That's kind of like the the day in the life of a mom. And again, moms, we're grateful for you. And and today, we're going to see the day in the life of of two other moms. Uh, We're going to see the day in the life of Elizabeth, the mother of John the Baptist, and Mary, the mother of Jesus, the Messiah, as we're continuing in our series in Luke. And uh, by the way, yeah, here we are at this this point, Mother's Day. Did I plan that? No. The Lord just worked it out. And you're thinking, well, Chris, that's really inept of you. Okay, true, I'll give you that. But that's how God God just does think, right? He just brings us, we're going through the, the book of Luke, and he brings us here on Mother's Day. And I love that. So Luke chapter 1 verses 39 to 45. You'll find that on page 44 on the Bible in the chair rack in front of you. And, and uh, if you're looking at the Bible, it's toward the back. It's in the New Testament, so it's in the part uh, farther toward the back. And because this is God's Word and we want to honor it in the way we hear it and receive it and treat it, we're going to stand right now. So you'd stand together and follow along as I read. Luke chapter 1, beginning with verse 39. Now at this time, Mary arose and went in a hurry to the hill country, to a city of Judah, and entered into the house of Zacharias and greeted Elizabeth. And when Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. And she cried out with a loud voice and said, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And how has it happened to me that the mother of my Lord would come to me? 
For behold, when the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby leaped in my womb for joy. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what had been spoken to her by the Lord. Let's pray. Lord, we come to you. We ask that you would use this part of your word to transform us, that we would leave here different than when we came, that you would cause us to grow, that we would see um, the, the amazing workings of, of what you did to bring about salvation uh, for sinners like us. And so we, we, we thank you for this gift of being able to gather in this time. We thank you most of all for the gift of Jesus himself. And we pray, Lord, that in this time we would draw near to him and that you would do powerful things amongst us and in us to your glory. We ask this in, in his mighty name. Amen. Go ahead and take your seats. So we're going to enjoy this narrative. We're going to travel through it. And then we'll be picking out some principles along the way for us uh, as, as we you know, want to look at our lives and how this should change the way we live. Um, but, um, but as we look at these two moms, these are two moms talking. That's what they're doing. They're getting together and talking. And we're going to find out, as this account is just saturated with joy, there's so much joy through this whole thing, that we're going to be looking at how genuine joy pours out of our lives and how that comes to pass. And, and, and certainly what we find here is, you know, Mary has received, if you were with us last week, you know this, Mary received word from the angel Gabriel that you are going to be with child. And Mary asks, how is that possible? I'm a virgin. And he simply says, the Holy Spirit's going to overshadow you. It's going to be the offspring of God himself. And, uh, and, and then, then the angel says, and as even an evidence of this, your your cousin Elizabeth, she is now with child. She's been barren all these years. She's now with child because nothing is impossible with God. And we spent a long time on that last week. Well, well here we find Mary responding uh, to that and going, wait a minute, I got to get over there. I mean, Elizabeth's pregnant? No, no way. I mean, can you imagine all the years of prayer, all the years of going, oh, you know, I, we want to have a baby. And then God answers that prayer with yes. And so, and so she, she leaves. And she travels in a hurry. And she enters the house of Zacharias. By the way, this is kind of funny. If you recall from last week, Zacharias did not believe what Gabriel said. And Gabriel's like, oh, you, you want proof, Zacharias? Fine. You won't be able to speak till the baby's born. There you go. There's your proof. Well, now this is the only time Zacharias is mentioned in this part of the account. Basically, what does it tell us? It's his house. That's it. He's silent off stage, practically. He's like, he's there. It's his house, his place. Great. He's not saying nothing because he can't. You got to love how Luke brings out the importance of women, especially in the first century. Women were considered second-class citizens. In some contexts, they were considered as actual property of their husbands. And here, here they are, and it's, no, these are the ones through whom God is at work. It's, it's Zacharias' house. That's great. But now, Elizabeth and Mary are engaging with one another. And you've got to love what, what happens because, uh, you know, Mary enters the house of Zacharias. She greets Elizabeth. And when Elizabeth hears her greeting, the baby leaps in her womb. By the way, do we find out here, I mean, babies are people in the womb. Can we just establish that? There's actually scientific studies that show how when sounds happen, Babies hear that? I remember with our kids, I would play the guitar and sing next to Janet's tummy. 
That's right, I sang to you before you were born. Poor girl. Her siblings aren't here, so she's the only one I can point at. So anyway, Grace, yeah. But, but that's it. There's that beautiful reaction, that response. Elizabeth is filled with the Holy Spirit, and she cries out with a loud voice, blessed are you among women. Uh, that word blessed is, is a beautiful term. It means how full, how rich, how satisfying is the life of the one who. That's the idea of that term. We, Jesus uses it in the Beatitudes. Uh, we find it, it, an Old Testament version of it in, in the Psalms. But she's saying, look at, look at what God's done. And she cries out, blessed are you among women. Blessed is the fruit of your womb. And then something fascinating happens. And how has it happened to me that the mother of my Lord would come to me? Whoa. What did she just say? All of this joy, all of this exaltation, all, all, all of these things coming together in this amazing way. And she says to Mary, how would the mother of my Lord, filled with the Holy Spirit, she speaks this. How would the mother of my Lord come to me? And, that, and I think this is one thing we would see, a principle for us. Genuine joy pours out of our lives as we, first of all, recognize Christ's lordship. Let's realize something. Even as she acknowledges Jesus' lordship, that term is going to come up throughout the gospel of Luke. It's going to happen throughout the entire gospel, and yet this is the first time it's said. This recognition confirms that Jesus is, in fact, the Lord. Not only that, Jesus is, in fact, the Lord from the inception of his life. There's a bunch of Gnostics running around during the time that, that Luke was written. And one thing that they would teach is this, that Jesus was, you know, Jesus. And then the Christ came upon him at his baptism. And then the Christ left him prior to his crucifixion. Uh, there's a sick, twisted, satanic book entitled, of all things, The Gospel of Thomas. Actually, it's a Gnostic gospel, so it's a false gospel, but it depicts the Christ on a nearby tree mocking Jesus as he's being crucified on the cross. That's not possible with what's being described here. No, Jesus is Lord, King of Kings. Jesus is the Lord. And, uh, and what does that even mean? It depicts all kinds of things about him. It depicts Jesus' divinity. It depicts his sovereignty, his rule over all things. We're going to see that come up many times later in the Gospel of Luke. Um, you know, in, in chapter 8, verses uh, 22 and following. Go ahead and turn there. We, we, got, we can do that. Flip over to just a few chapters over to chapter 8, verse 22. What does Jesus as Lord mean? It means this, Luke eight twenty two. Now on one of those days, Jesus and his disciples got into a boat and he said to them, let's go to the other side of the lake. They launched out, but as they were sailing along, he fell asleep and a fierce gale wind descended on the lake and they began to be swamped and to be in danger. They came to Jesus and woke him up and saying, master, master, we're perishing. And he got up and rebuked the wind and the surging waves. And they stopped and it became calm. He said to them, where is your faith? They were fearful and amazed, saying to one another, who is then this that he commands even the winds and the water and they obey him? 
He's the Lord. That's who he is. He's the Lord God, the creator. The one who made those seas commands those seas and the sea obeys him. We look at other gospel accounts, we find some interesting things. First of all, that phrase that they were afraid, it says they were fearful for the storm. Then after Jesus calms the storm, then they're very much afraid. Like, that's really scary. The, the storm's scary. But someone just going, hey, calm, be still, and the sea goes, Whoosh. ah! Like, that's scary. And, and even the way he, he spoke, uh, we find in other accounts, he, he literally, he whispers to the sea to calm it the way a mother would whisper to a baby to calm them down. That's Jesus' lordship. And we'll see it reflected many other times throughout this account as we go through. He's the Lord who calms the sea. He's the Lord who heals diseases. He's the Lord who raises the dead. He's the sovereign Lord of the universe. So isn't that amazing? These two moms are talking. What's the focus of their hearts? Well, it's certainly, first of all, recognizing the lordship of Jesus. And the question, for, I think, for all of us today, and for moms, for you too today, would be this. Do you recognize the lordship of Jesus in the way you carry out your calling as a mom? Um, that can be challenging, especially if your kid's in a restaurant taking a ketchup-covered fork and flaying it at a waitress, right? How does that work? Please know I'm not saying, and so it's easy. You just recognize Jesus as Lord and your whole life goes bleep, bleep, bleep and it's sealed in a little bag and your kids are like, yes, mommy. And you know, no, <laughs> that is not how it works. No, it's ugly. The, the Lord is glorified even in the mess of our lives, is he not? We keep saying that over and over here. It's like if you come in here and think, get your life together then come to Jesus, you're in the wrong building. There are churches like that out there, I guess. That's not us. We're like, bring your mess in. Don't leave it. They're just bringing it in. Baggage included. Why? Because, because we, we need the Lord. And he, he takes us through those seasons to show us our need for him. And, and so as a mom, I want to just say, moms, you know, as you honor him in your calling, what does that mean? Prayerfully, your goals as a mom are his goals which might include some of your goals to be deferred or delayed for a time. Uh, outcomes are prayerfully in his hands. Desires are prayerfully set before him. Instruction is prayerfully engaged. And notice I've said prayerfully like three times, right? Why? Because it's a prayerful endeavor to be a mom, is it not? He's the Lord. He's the all-powerful one. He's the almighty one. Lord, help me in the midst of this. It's reliance upon him. How does this show up? Well, I think it shows up in tangible ways, and I certainly can't outline all of those now. There was a quote that came across my feed recently that I, I really liked. That I think I can share that. It might indicate this. could be an example. Here's what it is. A house made messy by kids is better than one kept perfect by their absence. I'll say that again. A house made messy by kids is better than one kept perfect by their absence. You know, let's face it, it's, it's, you know, kids are messy. <laughs> they are. And, and when you ask them or tell them, you don't ask them, you tell them, when you tell them, hey, this needs to be done, 
let's face it, it is not just like, you got it, you know? That's not it, typically. <laughs> you might actually have to say it twice. <laughs> you might have to say it more than twice. Here's my question for you. What happens to your voice as you keep saying it? And if the decibels are going up, the question is, are we trusting in his lordship? Why? Because the purpose is not the clean place. The purpose is your child growing in the love and knowledge of Jesus. Do they need to obey you? Yes. But when it's our goals instead, we just want the outcome. We're not thinking, how can I train my child in the way they should go? It's how can I get what I want now? Because I am the mom. Dads, don't think I'm letting you off the hook. It's just not your day today, okay? <laughs> I'm seeing these moms, and then dad's like, yeah, whoa, buddy. Hold on. <laughs> don't be thinking you're all that, because you're not. None of us are. All right? We're all in need of the grace of the Lord. But yes, is, is my goal God's goal? Am I praying through this? Am I seeking to honor him? Are, are we engaging in this life before God, in our calling as, as moms or dads or whatever our calling would be, in a way that we're embracing his goals and, and we're seeking to please him in that. Certainly this was present in their conversation here. And when we live that way, now, now there's a life of joy. Why? Because now it's not about me clinging to my, this is what I've got to get. I need this to happen. This has to happen or else. It also protects us from going into the apathetic, oh, well, you know, kids will be kids, whatever. You know, that's kind of popular sometimes in some circles. You know, it's sort of like, yeah, we just kind of parent by, you know, the numbers, I guess. Kids are resilient. They'll be fine. And you're like, that's not it either. No, it's engaging. It's going through that. It's having expectations. It's prayerfully setting before them what God would call them to because it's God calling them to that. And then we are stewards, even, even as the leeches beautifully declared today. We're stewards of our, of our children's lives. So when we live that way, now we can have genuine joy as parents, as a mom. Because we're seeking his goals and we're realizing he's the Lord, I'm not. So genuine joy pours out of our lives, not only as we recognize Christ's lordship, but also as we celebrate God's action. And we see that in several places. Certainly we've seen it already in verses 39 through 41. Um, as, as the engagement together between these two moms comes about. Um, because they're just excited. Mar Mary's leaving because of the word she got from the angel. And, and she's like, I need to share this with someone. But I mean, do you share that with everybody? Hey, so I was, I'm a virgin. I was visited last night by an angel. Told me I'm going to have a baby. What do you think? <laughs> no. I, I, that's not something you're just going to walk around like, you know, hey, yeah, that's happened to me. What did you do yesterday? Oh, I had an angel. You know. No, you're not going to. You need to share it with somebody, though. You want to talk to somebody, right? And so what does she do? Well, she shares with Elizabeth. Why? Because they were visited, too. And they're, they're, they love each other. You can tell they have a great relationship. And so there's excitement for one another. And, and they're celebrating what God has done. Notice verse 40. They, they celebrate together. Not by themselves. This is a beautiful example of fellowship. You know how we keep saying over and over again, hey, you cannot walk the Christian life by yourself. A solo Christian, you, don't, you can't call yourself living the Christian life if that's the way you're living. 
There's no such thing. We need one another. When you come to Christ, you are brought into his family, the church. And so we need to gather together. And so certainly we see this here. Mary needs to go to Elizabeth. She desires to. There's a zeal. She goes in a hurry as fast as she can. She wants to share this good news. And notice they also uh, celebrate God's action together with words. They, they actually talk together about God and the things of God. Again, we, we, we use that phrase a lot around here. When we gather together, that's what we want to do. We want to talk about God and encourage one another and walk together because, because that's what we're excited about. And that's the way we build each other up. That's part of one anothering. And so they do that together. They're engaging in fellowship. And, and, uh, and so that's, the, you know, they're celebrating what God is doing in their lives. And, and, and that's a question for all of us. Are, are we doing that together? Are you engaging in that? Certainly there's formal ways we can do that. We have several opportunities set up here at Clayton Valley Church for you to engage with one another. But let's face it, all of us are doing crazy things throughout the week and none of those things might fit your schedule. Maybe you can't get to a community group. Maybe you're not going to be able to make it to this certain event. Are you on the phone with somebody? Are you getting together for coffee? Are you, I don't know, grabbing a walk with someone? Are you talking with brothers and sisters about God and the things of God? If not... The call is, look, celebrate God's action in your life and in the lives of others by doing that. Draw together. Um, but then, Mary, Mary, in the midst of this interaction, she just really can't contain herself in a beautiful way, and she just bursts out into praise. And look at what we see in verses 46 and following. And Mary said, My soul exalts the Lord and my spirit has rejoiced in God my Savior for he has had regard for the humble state of his bond slave for behold from this time on all generations will count me blessed for the mighty one has done great things for me and holy is his name and his mercy is upon generation after generation toward those who fear him he has done mighty deeds with his arm and has scattered those who were proud in the thoughts of their heart. So look at what she's doing. She's bursting into praise. She's giving thanks. And, and it says, my, my, my soul can't contain it. So her inner self, the real her, she just, she has to exalt in the Lord. She has to, to give him praise. And, and maybe that's a question we could ask for ourselves too. Is, is, is that us? Like, do we love praising God? Do we enjoy that? Are we thrilled at the opportunity to do that because of who he is? When the Bible talks about how he is worthy of all praise, it's really because he's worthy of all praise. And, and, and there's this way in which when, when Mary sees God's work, God's action, specifically in this case, his action in her life, she breaks out in praise. She magnifies the Lord. And that word magnifies used in the Psalms as well. And this song is actually very similar uh, to Hannah's song back in 1 Samuel when she was awaiting a child and God blessed her with it. So there's some parallels there, certainly. This idea of magnifying is, uh, is to you know, put a magnifying glass on God and say, look at him. Look at what he's done. You can't help but, but look it's kind of like, again, you know, I know I, I think of Yosemite a lot, but when you go to Yosemite and you get into that valley first and El Capitan's right there, you're not just kind of like, yeah, it's great. What's on my phone, man? What's going on? You don't do that. You're, you're just kind of like, 
Whoa. And that's what's happening here. My soul magnifies the Lord. This section is amazing too because every verb that comes after this, you know who's carrying out the verb, the action? God. All of them. Nearly every verb. Maybe not all of them, but nearly every verb. They're all declaring what God has done. God is, does this as the powerful, mighty deliverer. And so she rejoices. Um, she exclaims praise to God. And, uh, and, and notice verse 47, my spirit is rejoiced in God, my Savior. Uh, that's an important thing to note. Mary is declaring here that she needs a Savior. In other words, she's not free from sin. There are some from the Roman Catholic tradition and other places who would say, well, Mary was sinless. Uh, some would actually elevate her to the point of being a co-redemptress. That's not her position. That's not what she thinks. What she's saying is, no, God, I'm rejoicing in God, my Savior. I need to be rescued. She's saying, I'm a sinner too. She doesn't consider herself immaculate in any way. And she acknowledges her, her lowly position. She belongs to a class of people that would not be considered prominent in that time. And, uh, and, and she's not a part of the lofty. And so she gives praise to him. And then she, she goes on to talk about how people will call me blessed in all generations because she understands this is the Messiah coming. God's using me of all people to, to give birth to the Messiah. And so she, is, she considers it a joy and a privilege, even though she's going to face difficulty and trial because of this. I mean, sh how are people going to respond? Many won't believe her. Maybe we'll think, many will think that, that she's a woman of, of unfaithfulness. And yet, her courage and her faith, she trusts God. And so she, she just cries out, the Mighty One has done great things, great things for me. And so... Here's the question. Are we celebrating God's actions in our lives? Are we doing that? What's God done in your life? Well, if you're here today and you're a believer, you know what he's done? He's rescued you. He's called you to himself. He, he's, he's redeemed you from the slave market of sin. He's given you an inheritance. His Holy Spirit dwells inside of you. You get to look forward to this day of resurrection. Can you celebrate that? You know, a while back we talked about the rope, right? And the, you know, the here and now, the little end of the rope, and then eternity. I think this is another passage that calls us to that. Can you see the great things God has done? Celebrate them. Give him praise. Not just when we gather together, but throughout the weekend. When you're talking to people. When you're in daily life, it's the time for us to declare that. So genuine joy pours out of lives as we first recognize Christ's lordship. Secondly, we celebrate God's action. And lastly, as we anticipate God's promises. Um, Mary's song shifts focus here at this point. And she goes from praising God for what he's done in her life now and shifts to God's mighty deeds for Israel. Look what it says in verse 51. He has done mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who were proud in the thoughts of their heart. He has brought down rulers from their thrones and has exalted those who were humble. He has filled the hungry with good things and sent away the rich empty-handed. He has given help to Israel, his servant, in remembrance of his mercy 
as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and his descendants forever. And so again, each, each of these verbs is describing what God has done. And it's interesting because these verbs are in the past tense. So in Greek, it's the aorist tense. But this is what we would call a prophetic aorist. What does that mean? It means the writer is describing these things as if they happen in the past, though they are coming. Why? Because they're a sure thing. It's such a sure thing. It's such a done deal that it's spoken of as if it's already happened. It's that full, that complete in the hands of God. And so Mary sings of them as if this, is, this has happened already. And, and God accomplishes much as we see in, in this passage. You know, he's, he's um, scattered those who are proud. Uh, certainly, we, and we talked about this earlier in previous weeks, you know, there are different rulers. There's Rome that's ruling over the whole empire. There's Herod who's ruling over this little area. They have no idea that what's really going on is happening in this offbeat, forsaken place that no one cares about. Uh, they, don't, they think it's all about them in that moment, in that time. And, and God is in the process of saying, no, I'm now raising up my king, the king of kings, the Lord of lords, in, in a place that's obscure, in a place that's unknown. Because your values and what you think is important are not what's really important to me. The proud have been scattered. And, and that should give us encouragement too. Maybe you feel like that, like I'm, I'm a nobody. You really think you're a nobody? Well, guess what? God's using you right where you are. Are you the greatest in your field? No, you're not maybe. Maybe you are. Praise God for that. Good. But if you're not, God's using you. God loves to take the weak and use it, them for strong purposes. And so we see a lot of reversals like that throughout the rest of this passage. Verse 52, rulers have been brought down, the humble will be exalted. Again, reversal. Verse 53, the hungry filled with good things, the rich have been sent away empty-handed. Uh, and then verse 54, God's remembered his promise of mercy to Israel. So all of these things are now looking back to God's promises to his people. And as God spoke to, even to Abraham, notice in verse 55, he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and his descendants forever. So God made a promise to Abraham. What was that promise? That through you, all the families of the earth will be blessed. So this, this promise and, 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 and God's provision of a Messiah is not just going to rescue Israel. No, it's for the nations. It's for all peoples. And that's why Revelation, what is it? Every tribe, every tongue, every nation is there before the Lord. And so so, so God is the one at work. And here's the thing. Here we are in this moment. We're kind of in this already but not yet moment of time. Jesus is coming back soon. His reign knows no end. He rules now, certainly, but he's going to rule here on this earth in the millennium for a literal thousand years. And then there comes a new heavens and a new earth. We anticipate all these different things. And if we look at that in the way that we're being called to here by Mary and her example even in this, we live with confidence. So we anticipate God's promises. We refer to them in the same way. It's as good as done. It's as good as done. And that gives us a freedom to live in a different way. And for moms, especially for you, what a, what a joyful freedom to realize that. God's purpose will come to pass. Jesus is Lord. He's the one that you're seeking to serve. And his promises are as good as done. 
And that should give us great courage. There was a, a, a child that was playing outside with his brother in Pitkin County in Colorado. And all of a sudden, the mom heard screaming. And she ran outside, and she found actually a mountain lion on top of her son. And her son's head in the mountain lion's mouth. And she was ready to fight. She ran out there, and she literally reached into the jaws, opened them up, kicked the lion off of her kid. And, uh, and you're just going like, that's insane. No, it's not. She's a mom. <laughs> that's what moms do. But you look at the courage. You look at that confidence. You look at that boldness. And again, moms, you might not be required to do that this afternoon. I understand that. <laughs> but when we really understand and anticipate God's promises, they are as good as done. Should that not give us that same level of confidence? I'm not sure what's being faced right now. God, God has many people in different places, different trials. Um, again, whether you're a mom or not, you're facing things that are really hard. But here's the thing. God's promises are true and they are coming to pass and they are guaranteed and they are as good as done. Uh, we, we, we know that the theme of the book of Revelation, real simple, Jesus wins. That's it. Praise God. And so in light of that, right now, we can live with great courage. And, um, and, and, and this anticipation of God's promises uh, that's going to be a key part of the rest of the, the narrative through, through the Gospel of Luke. And as we find even here, certain things are being shared to bring out the historical accuracy of what really happened. And let's not leave this portion without recognizing something. There's a key detail to the nature of Mary's baby given in this account from today. And namely, it's this. Mary was nowhere near her betrothed Joseph during the time that she conceives. Hmm. This baby's different. Let's pray. Lord, we, we ask that you would, uh, again, take these truths, apply them to our hearts. May our moms be encouraged amongst us today. We give you thanks for each one. And we look to you to enable them to walk with you and to take great courage from, from even this section of Scripture. It is your grace that enables Elizabeth and Mary, not their spiritual prowess. It's your mercy. And so by your grace, may you encourage them now, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. We now come to a time of the Lord's table. And uh, I'd encourage you to go ahead and open your bulletins up. You'll find a sheet in the middle of the, the bulletin with some instructions on it for you. Um, depending on where you find yourself today. Uh, maybe you've not yet come to Christ and there's some prayers there for you. And there are other prayers listed. But, but I, I would like to, um, to just call us to even think right now uh, about verse 49. For the mighty one has done great things for me, and holy is his name. Again, these verbs are all God's actions. Salvation belongs to the Lord. And so even as we consider that, uh, just quietly in prayer right now, 
Uh, go before the Lord and just ask him um, to, to help you to um, grasp more what he's accomplished in salvation. And then we'll partake in a moment together. Lord, we come to you and we want to give you thanks for the amazing gift of salvation in Jesus. We thank you that this miraculous conception, this birth of the Holy One, the Messiah, would come through such humble means in such a glorious way. And Lord, we want to confess to you the the ways in which as those who who follow you and, and, and walk with you, that we often forget. We are often distracted. We, we do things that don't honor you. We fail to love you with our heart, soul, mind, and strength. We sin against you. And we confess that to you now, and, and we want to remember what Jesus did on the cross. Our, our um, even act of, of confession and repentance does not... Um, solve the problem of, of, of bridging the gap between our sinfulness and your holiness. Only Jesus can do that. Only the cross can do that. And so we remember now what you've accomplished and, and we give you thanks that you, you gave up your life that all who believe in you would receive your righteousness as a gift. And rather than the death that we deserve, uh, we would we would gain from you as a gift eternal life. So we remember this now and we give you thanks. In Jesus' name, amen. Go ahead and let's partake of the bread together. As we consider during the cup, I think it's appropriate that we consider with great joy what God has done. He's accomplished salvation. He has paid the price for sin. And again, for all who are in him, recognize that the blessings that he gives are permanent and full because of his nature. Not because of your religious ability, not because of your moral prowess, not because of your pedigree or your background. No, it's by grace. And it comes as people trust him. Um, He's the one who has paid the price of our sins and shed his blood, uh, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. So let's uh, give him thanks for that in prayer and then uh, we'll partake of the element together. Let's let's pray. Lord, we, we thank you for your gift of salvation. We thank you for the new covenant purchased by your blood And we do this in remembrance of you. Uh, We we praise you for your calling. Uh, We we thank you for the way that you have redeemed us. We we praise you for the way that you've given us the inheritance that we have in in Jesus. And so we, we, we thank you that your salvation and all of your promises are so sure. Those you've already fulfilled and those that you will fulfill in the future with your return, they are so sure that we can consider them as done. So we praise you now and we remember in Jesus' name, amen. Let's partake together. It is good to celebrate the Lord's table. 
It is good to give thanks for moms. Um, It's good to have special guests with us to share with what God's doing around the world. As we all anticipate Jesus' soon return. So together as we go now, go in God's grace. Go in his joy. Go with the assurance that he who has promised is faithful and will surely bring it to pass. Amen.